Magic.me is the world's greatest school for magic, meditation, and mysticism. You can learn everything there, from chaos magic to hermeticism to meditation to how to supercharge your finances and take absolute control of your destiny. In short, you get all of the tools you need to turn chaos into beautiful, scintillating order and master your life. It's incredible. You've probably heard me talk about it on the show quite a lot, but check it out. It's growing fast. And I just want to say, if you're confused about where to start, because I have so many courses there, the Adept Initiative is the place to go. The Adept Initiative is the flagship course on magic.me, and it contains everything you need to know to master the most profound ancient techniques of changing your consciousness and the most modern and cutting edge tools and systems for absolutely turning your life into a masterpiece. You are really going to dig it. Go check it out, and I will see you in class. It's magic.me, M-A-G-I-C-K dot M-E. Awesome to meet you, finally. You too. Uh, I started up magic through your classes probably about a year ago, did the original supercharger class. And uh, my practice has been pretty intermittent, uh, I'd say. And I know your recommendations have been to do, you know, meditation and whatever rituals you learn daily. Um, I suppose I wanted to ask you, what is your key to consistent practice? How do you develop the discipline to do your magical rituals or magical practice daily? Because I've, I've had, you know, sort of a run-up to fireworks and revelatory experiences and interesting magical synchronicities, but then it kind of either it becomes too chaotic for me to handle or I kind of taper off uh, doing my magical practice and it sort of dissipates. So I kind of was wondering what your personal uh, experiences with that have been. So from what you're saying, my guess is that you are vacillating between going too much and not enough. Yeah, I'd say that's probably accurate. Or um, I suppose I'm treating it like an athletic endeavor sometimes where uh, I'll go for as much meditation as I can, you know, try to push for the half hour or hour recommendation that you made. And uh, sometimes it's too much. Other times I accomplish it and other times I just kind of screw off and don't do it. So, so first of all, um, congratulate. It's amazing that you're, you're putting so much discipline into it. Right. And your, your question demonstrates that you, you know, these are, these are the questions of people who are actually cultivating active discipline. So that's excellent and, and commendable. And, uh, I, I think that treat so treating it like an athletic discipline is a bit of a, um, uh, how do I, 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 what's the word for it? It's, it's like, a. it's not exactly, man, I'm at a loss for language for this. Like, okay, obviously spirituality is not an athletic discipline, right? right. But treating it like an athletic discipline has certain benefits and is a useful convention, if you will. Right. So, but it ultimately it's not, but I like to teach it this way because the, by the way, the reason I, I teach it this way is because the alternative is people fall into this spot very frequently where they have some type of revelatory experience like you're talking about. And then they say, that's it. I've done it. I've made it. I'm a special person. 
and they, I, they, I have this great state of consciousness. And then they'll say something like, oh, my life is effortlessly magical now. And I am magic. I don't need to do magic anymore. And that's what we want to combat because we just know from the science, particularly with meditation, it's like long-term med meditation is a uh, something that needs to be cultivated. And if you, if you don't, you, it's use it or lose it, just like it's the same, the same with going to the gym. So, but that said, I mean, you're working with your mind and your finer, you know, substance and soul and all of this stuff. Now, next question is, so that's awesome. A little bit of just to end, add a little bit of context. Next sure. question is, why are you doing magic? Um, that's, uh, that requires a complicated answer as well, I suppose. Um, what would a simple one be? Uh, I underwent a sort of spiritual death, I suppose. Um, I was originally Christian, but I lost my faith in that and went to pretty strict nihilistic scientific materialism. Okay. Uh, what and kind of then, Christian, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, Lutheran. Okay. That's a pretty, that's a pretty easy jump to uh, and, science, scientific worldview. Yeah. And, and it was because of a traumatic experience that I broke from the church and, nice. um, after that, I realized that I wasn't really going anywhere. The, the worldview that I had adopted hadn't serviced the goals that I had in my life and I wasn't accomplishing what I'd set out to accomplish. What, um, what had you set out to accomplish? Well, I wanted to be uh, a game artist. Okay. Um, video, video game? or Yeah, video game artist. Okay. And uh, I'd kind of wandered through various um, temp and other jobs to get there. And I suppose out of desperation more than anything, I sort of, well, I, I heard you first on um, Duncan Trussell's uh, podcast. Okay. And what, and I heard your, you know, plug for magic taught me and I basically said, what do I have to lose? You know, I can check it out, see what it is. Okay. Um, and you know, stuff started happening. <laughs> it's basically like, you know, I intentionally went into the practices and it's like, Oh, okay. There's something to this. When, when um, was this by the way, when did you this start? Was about a year ago? Okay. Um, a little under a year ago. Uh, and I sort of went with the, well, I can continue my scientific materialism, but it's, this is results oriented, right? It's, it's not, you know, whatever spiritual forces may be advancing these properties. It doesn't really matter. It's first off, it's, it's benefiting my mental health. And secondly, it's helping me achieve goals that I set out intentionally rather right. than just kind of passively sitting back and uh in a meaningless universe i suppose right and of course the the idea that there are spiritual agencies at work that make this possible is just a theory and a model and yeah. it's not necessary to doing magic either you can do magic equally as well just assuming that it's you're tapping into parts of your brain or that you know there are many many different models there's six or seven different models to explain magic at least right Sure. And uh, the Enochian rituals that you did around the time of your book publishing had some pretty, uh, like I was there when you did the, uh, the Enochian ritual visualization, and that was an extremely powerful experience and sort of uh, led me back to my <laughs> fight with Christianity, I suppose, or my internal struggle with it. Right. Um, is it, it's so, by the way, is it a fight with Christianity or a fight with the church? Um, 
I wouldn't say so much the Christian ideology as the church and its institutions. Right. Um, yes. Why and, do you think I teach Enochian magic? Yeah. And <laughs> why and, do you think Enochian magic exists? <laughs> the, uh, I guess the other part of it is uh, that I can't see that institution claiming divinity with all its corruption. That's my main problem with it, I suppose, if I were to distill it. Yeah, it's it's like um, believing Scientology is legitimate in the internet era. Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, but that's not to knock the spiritual practices, I suppose, or certainty that comes out of it. I've I've since come to terms with a lot of my religious friends instead of just calling them idiots, you know. <laughs> so, okay. um, uh, so I, that's why I'm doing magic, and I suppose I'm trying to figure out how to uh, keep my practice more consistent, if not. So I heard two goals in there. One is you wanting to become a game artist and the other is trying to come to a sense of spiritual understanding of truth, your place in the universe, for lack of a better way of putting it. Is that about right? Yeah. And the the first goal, the first goal has been accomplished. Like when I I did your practices that it just sort of snapped into place. The game artist? Yeah. Yeah. I'm currently working in the industry. So amazing that that was a result of something you did from, uh, from magic i mean uh in my subjective experience yes like you did a ritual to get that uh, done and it happened uh n- not a specific ritual to achieve that it was more uh it was a more general statement that brought it about i wanted to revitalize my art i wasn't doing art anymore um so i did that sort of generic intent and there was a lot of you know unintended chaos that sprung from it but uh, it eventually sort of got me to a more stable and, and uh, uh, desirable place, I suppose. Awesome. Yeah. And by the way, there's like any, any, any time you make any substantial life change, there's a little lag. <laughs> yeah. yeah and, and that causes chaos. It's not uh, bad. You know, it's just thing, things are shifting around. Yeah. It gave me the perspective that those, what I perceived as painful or, or chaotic circumstances were just necessary for change to occur. And it's sort of, it's sort of rippling out amongst my friend circle as well. Other people are having so these sort of chaotic experiences to get them out of situations they don't want to be in anymore. Okay. Um, Which so. by the way, is, is not your responsibility unless you make it your responsibility. It's a lot harder to get where you want to go when you're trying to drag other people. Yeah. Yes. I keep, I keep, uh, just reminding myself to shut the fuck up about this stuff. Like, I don't want to talk about it. Uh, don't make my mistake. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, it, it's more, like you said, it can have some pretty negative reception. And so far, pretty much only my closest friends know that I even do it. Because it's still sort of, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, embarrassing. I've been, or either that or I don't, I don't feel personally embarrassed about it. I feel more embarrassed about what my previous identity was before I started doing this. And it's really difficult to explain without people experiencing it. Um, It's very hard to, um, identities are propped up by references. So particularly peer groups and uh, objects, music you listen to, things like this environment. So it's very hard to make substantial personality changes and maintain the exact same environment or peer group. It's just kind of the nature of the beast. So meaning, um, and and this, by the way, pertains particularly to discipline. One of the best ways to maintain discipline is get into a supportive environment. And that means cultivate uh, an environment with supportive references for your new identity. 
So not all, because you don't want all woo friends. Trust me, that's you know <laughs> that's not a good idea either. Uh, you want to stay grounded too, but um, it's good to cultivate um, some new reference points. Now, in terms of your question, let's let's let me circle back. Discipline. The reason that I ask these, the reason that I ask the question, why are you doing magic? is because ultimately the thing that determines your discipline in doing anything is a strong enough reason why you're doing it, right? So for instance, um, when I first started doing magic, my, uh, my overwhelming reason why was because I wanted to see if it was real. And lo and behold, I mean, you know, obviously everything's subjective, but lo and behold, here we are, right? I proved that one pretty quick. My next overwhelming reason why is because I wanted um, you know, I wanted to be a successful adult, right? It was like, you know, I wanted to, um, be, uh, I wanted to get a book contract. I wanted to get my word out there. I wanted, you know, to meet other people. I wanted, you know, people to like me, all this stuff. So it was all about making myself more powerful, right? But for lack of a better word, or just myself get fulfilling my desires, which is important, by the way, I don't don't knock it fulfilling your own desires is rather crucial, as long as they don't hurt people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then ultimately, um, and then my desire for magic, you know, once I got to a certain level, um, particularly once I gone through some really rough experiences, my desire for magic truly did become, you know, I want the, um, you know, I want to help in, I want to participate in the great work of enlightening all human consciousness, right? Like I want human beings to be free and liberated and spiritually aware, right? And, uh, and it has been that since my mid twenties. And you get to this point where it's like, particularly with magic, you get to a point where you're, you're whatever, you know, your ego is, you know, this is a cliche, but your sense of having an individual personality is much less distinct. Let's put it that way it becomes much more about serving other people, at least on the right-hand path, which to my mind is really the only path. Um, left-hand path kind of leads to nowhere ultimately. Um, but also, and, and now my overwhelming, you know, and now my overwhelming reason why I am teaching this stuff and doing this is because I want to directly benefit people in the world. And so I don't know if you, if you followed my Twitter, a lot of what I've been doing is raising money for, children in Nepal, raising money for children in Africa, raising money, and I raise money for Genesis, my mentor, because I've got to a point where it's like, you know, spiritual enlight- enlightening people spiritually only goes so far, we need to take care of their material circumstances as well. So now my overwhelming motivating reason why I do what I do is saving hungry people, <laughs> to be honest, right? And that turns out to be an extremely powerful motivator um, for pushing right now, I'm pushing harder than I, I certainly than I have since I was finishing the book. Right. So, uh, it may be harder. So now those may not be your reasons, but what I'm pointing out is yes, you can discipline yourself. You can set timers, you can do a schedule, you can do a checklist. You can say, Oh, I'm only going to, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to reward myself. I'm going to punish myself. But ultimately those are all conventions. You need a reason why that's so overwhelmingly powerful that you wake up first thing in the morning, uh, hungry for it, it pulls you towards it. Uh, and then everything else comes afterwards. And if you don't, if you don't have an overwhelming reason, then maybe you do for something else, right? Maybe it's something that is not magic, right? And it's not like you should force it. But um, I think you get my point, right? It's like you need a reason that is so compelling, that it pulls you almost against your will 
towards the goal. And for, and for most people, by the way, I want to caveat this. For most people, particularly in, I, I'm guessing almost all of my students, right? For everyone in the lower grades to be put a convention on it, which is not that important, but let's say for sake of convention, for everyone in the lower grades beneath Tefereth, right? The overwhelming reason is enlightenment. The overwhelming reason is the great accomplishing the, the, in the individual great work of connecting with the higher self um, and distinguishing the higher self between and your pure, your own purifying your mind, reaching towards the higher self and understanding that those are two different things. And then ultimately uniting with one's own higher self for all human beings in the, you know, and, and uh, all human beings who are in the process of spiritual awakening, that should be a momentous enough goal in itself because it's a tremendous amount of work. And ultimately you can't really do stuff to affect the world effectively until you've reached that level of, uh, at least not without burning out um, and uh, without get, getting to at least the Teferic level of individual um, um, integration, let's say. Right. So, so ultimately, and I don't want to get too into jargon, but let's say Teferic, or just union with one's one's own higher self and true will becomes a potent enough strange attractor in the early grades to just pull you towards it if you're doing magic correctly. Now, if you're doing magic like a sorcerer, meaning you're just doing it to fulfill your goals or to get certain things, then that ultimately is not potent enough to keep you going. And this is why we see people who, this is why we see people who um, just get into magic out of curiosity or the need to fulfill certain idle desires and go no further, they only get so far. And they might be magicians for their whole lives. They might be public magicians. They might be authors. You know, they might make a whole career out of it. But ultimately, if it's just about getting their needs met, then that is a piddling reason. You know, like there are an infinite ways to get your needs met. And magic is one way and it works great. And if you're a magician, go ahead. But um, fulfilling your own desires is not a potent enough uh, reason to keep going. It has to be, um, you know, and it has to be one's own spiritual uh, awakening and enlightenment, and then, you know, doing something for the world. I think, in in my way of seeing it, right, or doing, you know, do, fulfilling one's true will or one's what, what making one's contribution to the world, and it's different for everyone. So, but that's a long-winded way of saying. If you have a compelling enough reason why, and when I say compelling, it's not compelling until it makes you cry when you write it down. I mean this literally, or you say it out loud, even a little bit, even once, right? Even for half a second, right? That's fine. It's not compelling enough until you get that type of emotional response from contemplating what you're doing. Then you know it's compelling when you get the physical response from it. Um, and it may change over time. With that, discipline is easy. Without it, it just becomes a question of mechanics, and mechanics is not enough. Okay, that's uh, that's very helpful. I've experienced that before in other arenas, perhaps unconsciously, um, through physical fitness or other goals that I've had in my life. Um, yeah, I don't want to take up too much more time since we only have an hour. Uh, I guess the the final thing on that is, um, that's sort of more why I've been doing it as a process of self-improvement because I realized I couldn't affect my environment until I was basically a better person or a more complete person. And my most recent synchronicity has been uh, discovering basically initiatory writings that I did before I even knew anything about this stuff, like five or six years ago. 
Um, and it was and by the way, done. just out of curiosity, any just raise your hand. Anybody else in this uh, call has anyone else in this call in this call had that experience? Raise your hand in the participant. Mm, look at that. Um, which led me, yeah, it led me, yeah, more towards my, uh, uh, I guess, emotional depths. So I suppose, you know, the last time I felt motivated in the way you described was from a deep emotional place. Um, and I think a lot of that has been, uh, discouraged or cut off by society or peer groups or whatever. Um, so, uh, I guess that's the direction in which my magical explorations will go next. And That's I'm, exactly I'm super, right. I'm super excited for, uh, this, this, uh, extended program you're doing the, uh, the supercharger course was, like I said, pretty transformative in my life. So, Great. um, all right. Yeah. Thanks for your answer on that. You're welcome. Like it's I said, rule. yeah. And, and just, uh, just a quick distinction, the process of self-improvement is not, it's not just, okay. Yes. We all, we're all trying to get better, right? We're trying to get more healthy, more physically fit, smarter, learn skills, all this. But I want to make a clear distinction in that um, spirituality is an uncovering process. It is a, it's better to look at it as self-integration rather than self-improvement because you already have every, you, you by definition already have everything you need to be enlightened and awakened, right? So it's a question of reintegrating with what you already know to be true at a very, very deep level. And when I say deep, I mean deep that is actually past the personality. So um, this is why meditation and things like this and reaching towards the higher self, your higher self, your true self, your holy guardian angel, your Atman, your Purusha, your, uh, your uh, Ojiodes, if that's how it's pronounced. I've never been able to pronounce that right. Uh, your, your Yidam, your guardian deity, your whatever guardian spirit, whatever language we want to put on it, you know, from whatever culture, it doesn't matter. It's already there. Right. And, and, and the fact that anyone is even doing magic is really just evidence that, that it's calling that attractor is calling you and you summon me <laughs> in a sense, just as a useful reference point. Right. But ultimately the work is already occurring within you. Yeah, right. I'm uh, just here, like I'm the guy in like clown makeup, being like, "Oh yeah, like don't forget, don't forget to do it," you know. But yeah. ultimately, processes occur; they're universal processes that occur of their own uh, initiative, anyways. Yeah, I, I suppose that's a more precise way to put it because I, I sort of realized that the, my life experiences had cut me off from parts of myself that I wasn't able to experience or utilize. So. Yeah. And, and it is an issue in our culture, right? And this is kind of, it's interesting. This is why I opened the call with rehumanize yourself. And there's a reason like in the book of the law, the book of the law, the law says, ye are against the people, oh my chosen, right? Now, what does that mean? Well, it depends, you know, it depends how you interpret it. But does, you know, does it mean, you know, that uh, one should be a sociopath uh, and be Donald Trump? No, I think that what it actually means is you know, a huge, a huge part of magic is deconditioning from social norms. Because if you follow the social norms, I got news for you, you're ended up, you're headed for the uh, for landfill, right? Because that's where our whole culture is headed more than ever now. And our culture cuts off almost everything you need, um, not only to be spiritual, but just to be a human, right? It cuts it all off, um, almost like a a, a spiritual circumcision. I don't want to be too graphic, but, but there's a, there's a sense in which our, our culture removes 
it, well, it can't remove, but it, it encourages us to turn off very important parts of ourselves. And it, for instance, it, openly expressing emotion, particularly for men, um, openly, um, um, you know, being openly sexual in certain ways, um, uh, being just trusting other, trusting strangers, right? You know, we're conditioned not to, you know, to be afraid of other people. And in many cases, there are good reasons for these. Those are good things in some senses to teach children because they keep, keep children safe. But by the time we're adults, we're totally neurotic because we've got all these messages that tell us not to be ourselves. And so a big part of magic is just reconnecting with who you are underneath the conditioning. Right? Sure. Yeah, uh, that's been what I've been experiencing. I'm trying not to take it to Crowley levels. You know, you don't have to. And, yes. and I would argue that taking it <laughs> yeah. to Crowley levels is pathological. Yeah. Let me give an example that's very pertinent to our current time period. Certainly so, opposite end of the spectrum, I guess. We, right. It's, it's yeah. an overreaction in a way. Um, but uh, uh, let me give an example, right? It's, it's more per, uh, pertinent to our current time period. In the, the sexual revolution, well, prior to the sexual revolution, you know, Wilhelm Reich argued quite accurately, I think, that just having a, a healthy sexual life is very important to mental health and, um, and you know, health as a human being, right? And that repression of sexuality, he argued, led to totalitarian politics like fascism and communism and all of this stuff. And I think that broadly, you know, he was a bit of a loon, but there's a lot of truth to that. Um, now, by the time of the sexual revolution, this got turned into... Uh, everyone had now he wasn't saying everyone have sex with everyone. He was saying have a sexual healthy sexual life, preferably in a monogamous relationship in which you're just able to fully express yourself, not everyone should have sex with everyone all the time. And there should be no rules or boundaries on that. Because they tried that in the 60s and 70s. And it was a total fucking mess. Sorry, no pun intended. I actually did not intend that. So uh, <laughs> um, and um, and it was there were too few boundaries they went it, and then now so if you think about this like we now live in a society a post-sexual revolution society um where we're bombarded with sexual images nonstop, right where where any any kid eight-year-old can get on the internet and they're a click away from seeing infinite depictions of of every sexual act imaginable right with every type of emotional content most of it negative behind it right and and so there is no there is no sense in our society whatsoever that anything about sexuality is hidden or repressed in that way but i would actually argue that we live in an even more sexually repressed society now because people are uh, and I recommend the second episode of Black Mirror is great about this. But we live in a society where we are, um, um, uh, you know, again, we're bombarded with totally dehumanizing stuff along these lines. And sexual freedom is not about being able to witness every type of extreme act imaginable. It's about having just a healthy emotional connection with another human being, right, without there being repressive church structures on it. Um, and just seeing it as a healthy part of human life. But, you know, so this is another example. It's like our culture has gone so far in the other direction that I would argue that we're bombarded with this stuff to the point where we're even more sexually repressed and neurotic now. And we as a generalization, but I would say that many people in society, right? And just, so I just, think just as a short comment on that, do you think that those, those human desires, or I guess, 
have they become a cult in a certain way? Like they're sort of a hidden flow beneath our interactions. Like, cause like you're saying with, uh, you know, anybody can see anything on the internet that's still, still nobody admits to it. Right. It's all still I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like, so, um, I think that it's a massive net negative for society. I don't know. Right. If cult, I think it's more culture than cult at this point, mm -hmm. but um, it, it creates a split in people's psyches. And I think it's bad for people. I think, I think that people should view it as a narcotic, right? As, as, as hard drugs. Sort uh, and, of and effect, sexual you know, version of heroin or, or psychological version of heroin. Or yeah. I mean, and it affects yeah. people's brains and all this stuff. And it's, I don't know why we're talking about this issue in specific, but I think that it's, um, I'm just using this as an example of when we talk about philema, when we talk about your true will, the point is finding the golden mean, right? The balance, like the, the, what's good for you, what's right for you, right? And that's going to be different for everyone. We're, you know, we, this is why it's not a thing of like, oh, there's one religious top-down rule for everyone, right? It's going to be different for everyone, but you've got to find your healthy balance that's native to you that is not imposed from outside. Um, and in terms of internet pornography and things like that, it's not just internet pornography, but we live in a, um, a porn. I'm turning, I'm turning into a Christian minister, I swear, but um, uh, in, in my dotage. But, um, you know, I, I agree with them on a lot of things. You know, I, I watch right wing Christian radio and it's like a lot of sometimes I agree with them on a lot of things. But I think that we, we live in a culture that is um, a pornographic culture in a sense. And what I mean by that is it's not just the consumption of hardcore pornography on the internet openly available to everyone, which I think has a massively um, um, negative effect on people. And it's not because of the sexuality or whatever type of sexuality. I think people should be able to do whatever they want as long as it's consenting adults. And, and they, they should if they want to, you know? Uh, it's a great way to uh, uh, learn and to grow as a human being. That said, we have to look at the content of this, the presupposition, if you will, if you will, that so much of it is just done in a dehumanizing context. And, and so much of the emotional content of that stuff is seeing other people as things or as things to be attacked and destroyed. Um, and uh, it's, I think it's very, very bad for everyone concerned. Uh, I think it's bad, particularly for the people that consume it. And, um, and it becomes an addiction. And I don't think there's, but I don't think it's just that. I think that if you look at, obviously we're bombarded with um, uh, that type, that type of imagery in, but softened like soft core in all of our uh, entertainment on Instagram, on, you know, everywhere, but it's not, and it's not even just sexual. I would say that you, we can look at the, we can see the urge to, you know, almost like um, uh, destroy people like uh, in our obviously in our political just look at Trump and his attitude to, to people in the political sphere, uh, without making this too political or, you know, right. the YouTube or like genre. inhabit their lives in a sort of way, yeah, or people attacking each other online, or uh, if we look at, um, you know, the the YouTube genre, Ben Shapiro destroys feminists, you know, there's obviously like a um, an extremely aggressive uh, hateful kind of pornographic element to that just under the surface, mm -hmm. you know, Jordan Peterson destroys feminist. Well, this it doesn't sound too different from a Pornhub title, right? right so I, yeah. I don't think there's, I think that people have hit, been hypnotized in this way. And they, and, and one of the reasons they've been hypnotized into thinking that it's, um, a freedom of expression when it's really just narcotics. And I think it's <laughs> when, I, I would, when I would they're drop. being mind controlled essentially or tricked. 
Well, not yeah, really. Or hypnotized a, by a brilliant. Not actor. really because it's it's consensual, right? I mean, yeah. there are, it's it's kind of like they, you know the drugs get left on the table, but nobody tells you you have to take them, right? Mm -hmm. People forget this, um, but it's just made available, and I, I think it's very. You could probably draw parallels to if we want to make this a bit more extreme. I think it's probably fair to draw parallels with the way that. Uh, crack cocaine was circulated in black communities in the 80s. I think we can draw parallels with the way that Oxycontin has been pushed on most of this country. And it, it you just have to ask, well, who does it serve? I mean, it, it, it serves the powers that be to have people narcotized in this way, these digital narcotics, so that they're flaccid and useless, for lack of a better way of putting it. Um, and, and, and it encourages people to see each other as things to be used which is the in, in the it's the inherent ideology of capitalism it's the capitalism at its most severe and and pure in a way you know it's like it's it's no different than going to a, you know the imperialist urge to go to a country and strip mine it and and take everyone out of the village and turn them into coal miners or something like that or make nike shoes so people become infected with the the user ideology of capitalism and then made it made complicit in a sense with evil anyways i'm on a total rant sure. yeah uh, well, I mean, and like i said off this but yeah i i uh you you answered my question in in a way that i've experienced before so i don't want to uh i don't want right. to monopolize the entire cool. hour we gotta we gotta yeah. pull me back here thanks for your time jason it's uh, great talking to you for the first time and uh hopefully i'll be around for the new one congratulations on your on your practice